Hi, I'm Em. And I'm Georgie. Uh, welcome to the See the Future podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. So on this week, we are going to be joined by a very special guest. Um, it's actually my dad, and he is going to be talking about kind of, so my dad worked in the police force, but I will let you kind of, I will let you tell your story. Um, his name is Ray, and yeah, fire, fire away. Okay, well, thank you for this. Uh, yes, I was in the police for 21 years, and um, I think what I was thinking about talking about tonight in particular was the uh, change in support that was available to police officers and how it's uh, moved from something that was very negative many years ago, so we're talking 25 years ago plus, right through to something that's very positive now. Um, so just to give you an idea, when I first started, so bearing in mind that the job that we did, we turned up every day, didn't know what we were going to come up with. And we dealt with some, you know, traumatic times. We were dealing with people at their lowest ebb, uh, that are some of them very vulnerable, and they were relying on, relying on us to sort their issue out or their problem out, whatever that was. And we were never really trained for that. So it was a case that we'd turn up, we'd deal with an issue, however sort of easy or difficult it was. And then, um, you know, just for an example, we, we would deal with suicides and we'd turn up and there'd be a body there with the families. Um, and bearing in mind, this is 25 years ago, um, I, I'd never dealt with that before in my life. Um, but the people there, the family expected you to know what to do. So there's a lot of pressure. Um, the difference then was that the minute you dealt with that job, you'd move on to the next job, probably an hour later, which would be totally different. And, and at any stage, no one would come to you and ask whether or not you were affected by what you'd just been to experience. Now, luckily, that has changed over the years. Um, so it's, it's very much a case of for many years, you were expected just to deal with it. And bearing in mind, we were in a macho environment. You know, we were all tough, rugged and, uh, you know, men and women and nothing fazed us. Uh, you know, we got involved in scraps and everything. Um, but you were expected to be ready to deal with that. And, um, and actually, you, you do prepare yourself and you dive into it. But at no stage in the early days did you ever have the opportunity to talk about whether or not any incident has affected you. So you'd literally just build up and build up and build up. Um, but fortunately, over the years, the, the police have got a lot better, first of all, at recognising problems and, um, and providing support. So they're definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, mental health has been in the media a lot more and it's definitely being talked about more um obviously kind of being in the police and being kind of subjected to those um those traumatic experiences um has probably affected you it's probably affected your colleagues um you know what was it like kind of working with people that that you know were affected 
Well, luckily, and luckily, and it's still the stage, the time now that you know we're very much a team. So you get very, very a lot of support from your colleagues. So you might only have a team of six, but you work with each other day in, day out. So you know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And actually, half of the half the issue of dealing with it was actually um, you didn't really see it as an issue because you were constantly busy dealing with other things. And actually the camaraderie and teamwork was extraordinary. So you actually sort of lifted everyone through all these things. But occasionally, obviously there'd be times where you'd, you'd have time to think about it and you'd just think to yourself, my word, what, what just happened? Um, but, but also you have to bear in mind, it was a very, it was a, a very macho environment and you know, to actually own up and say, look, I'm struggling with this. I need some help. It very rarely happened because we saw it at the time as a weakness. So it's, it's extremely, um, it's, it's encouraging now that actually when you look at what um, people do receive and they're encouraged to seek support without being ridiculed. So at that time, you, yeah, it was something that you just kept under your hat. Um, and kept to yourself so um, because it wasn't taught it wasn't spoken about them so it, which is fortunately very different these days yeah I think hearing as well like how at the start of it and you go to these calls that were very traumatic really for everyone there like the families the the person but also like for you and then just an hour later going to a different job as if you're just supposed to just forget about what's just happened is like wouldn't think about that but then realizing you've just been in a situation that anyone could need support in and then just being expected to kind of go move on to the next thing and then mm. just forget as if that's ever happened is it's crazy to think well there was it, it is mad and when I look back at it now I just think to myself oh you know as, as a group of people you know we're all new to the game and it's like how do you deal with these well, well you deal with it just by trying to keep strong but also realizing that you, your position there as a police officer is to help and support if you then start a, a blithering wreck or really affecting you visibly you're of no use to anyone and actually that's not what people expect so there's a huge amount of pressure that is placed on you but you strive and you um you take that pressure and you run with it, but, and that's why as a team of people, you know, when we sort of, when we have a bit of downtime, there is a lot of banter, there is a lot of chats, there's a lot of laughs and jokes. And actually, sometimes people looking in from the outside might just think, hang on a minute, that's, that's a bit un uncalled for, a bit out of order, but that's the way we were dealing with things like that. And so fortunately, uh, you know, I had a good shift and uh, the team that we had, were very, very supportive of each other. So, we, so we, without realising, we were actually giving each other support, but also receiving support from other people. Um, yeah, support. But, exactly, exactly. So, you know, whereas now it is spoke about, and, um, you know, on, when I sort of compare with how it used to be and how it is now, I just think there's a huge amount of support that you can access. And it's encouraged, you know, we, we were lucky in the early days 
for someone to mention, do you want, uh, would you like support? Would you like some counselling? Would you like to speak with someone? You'd laugh at them. So it was never mentioned. And I, I'd imagine from your generation now, I bet you find that hard to believe. Not really, but yeah. Yeah. To think about it, like, as being, like, as cut throat as, like, laughing at them, it's very, like, startling. But then even just seeing, like, the similarities in the help now and, like, there's still the stigma, but we have still made steps to be able to... It's more accepting to outwardly say, I need support. Mm. I mean, like, even the other day, um, I had a meeting and because, kind of, my role is quite new to the team I'm working with um one of my colleagues wanted to kind of in the general like team meetings every week wanted to kind of stand up and share her story and I just and immediately I was like I can't do that 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 terrifies me because I don't know if I can trust these people which is weird because I will share it on a podcast share it on social media but like with people I work with um and you know that stigma is still there um, I mean, know, do you think the stigma is getting better? Do you think it's uh, easy? Yes, I can see oh. it. Like within my volunteering as well, because I, I volunteer with like a with shout the crisis text line at every single step of your shift. You are checked in on, and you are speaking with other people that are on shift all the time. After every conversation, you fill out like a form for yourself. And if like there's lower scores, then sometimes your manager will check in or it'll remind you to kind of engage in like self-care. So I think that's that's a lot more prominent now, which is where I see the steps forward because thinking about years ago with people that were still working in that situation of a crisis point for someone, they weren't getting that support checking in on you all the time. So that's where I can kind of see the advances within that. Mm. I think in the police, I mean, they've made tremendous progress, really. I mean, if I look at my last sort of five years in the in the job, um, you know, over 20 odd years, it went from basically just having no uh, external contact with anyone. So it was just your team on the shift. To them moving on to where it was widely known and accepted that they had organisations that you could make contact with and you didn't have to go through your line management, you could do it yourself, again, which, which sort of reduces the stigma, that, again, that, that is attached to it, um, because we were still in a, in a macho world where you're, you, we're supposed to be the strongest and the best. So actually, you know, you're no good to anyone if you are showing too much weakness. So the fact that over the years, talking about mental health and talking about issues and problems became more open and more acceptable, and it was really encouraging. Uh, but it meant that there were so many people that we could contact. And, and even now, as a retired police officer, I still have access to all these support networks um, that I can still make contact with. So, so they are making good progress. Not before time, I must admit. Obviously, the, the uniform of being a police officer and being out on the streets and you are right in that people expect things of you. Definitely. Um, I imagine that mm. holds a lot of responsibility for you as well. And when well, you're I can in also, 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, G, I can always remember the first time, when I first started the job, so my first eight years was in uniform and then it was in plain clothes CID investigations. Um, and I always remember the, you had a mentor uh, that went out with you when you're on probation. And when you've got someone there to, to sort of take control of things, you feel a lot safer. And I can remember the first day that we went out walking in uniform and then my mentor turned around to me after 10 minutes and said, right then, Ray, I'm going to leave you to it. And he walked off and went back to the station to do all the stuff. And I remember standing there in the uniform, walking around the Nottingham city centre. And I was ter- inside, I was terrified that someone would ask me to do something or they wanted me to respond to something. Because at that time, I didn't have the full confidence to know that I was actually very capable and I think that's something that, again, grows with you. So as you get stronger physically, you actually get stronger mentally with the right support. So to the stage that it doesn't matter whether you don't know the answer, you have the confidence internally to actually say, well, you know what, I might not know, but I'm going to find out. And that's all you need. And that comes from a lot of support from people that you work with. It's having confidence in people that you can approach. But, you know, what? But it's, uh, you know, I was very fortunate, an absolutely incredible job uh, at the end of the day. It was an unbelievable um, time and experiences when I look back. Um, and yes, I was very lucky. Um, but, you know, people that perhaps weren't as strong as maybe I was internally, mentally, um, they struggled. And there was a couple of people on our intake that within a couple of years, they left the job because they couldn't cope. Um, so, you know, it's a very rewarding job, a very responsible job, but it's um, extremely high pressured knowing that you are people's last hope. You are there when people are at their vulnerable, uh, most vulnerable state um, and you're there for extreme events all the time. And I think for me, it was the going from one to the other without even really thinking about it. You didn't have time to think about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you didn't have time to mull it over. You didn't have time to sit there and play on your mind because the minute you dealt with one job, you know, you were released from that uh, job, then you'd be straight off to another. So, you know, so you never really had time. So, So an argument might be these days that maybe we should... Um, debrief after every job like that and they do do an element of that but sometimes in our job it was better to deal with it with your teammates and your you know group of people that also understood what you were dealing with and the pressures that were placed on you yeah I think that that sense of community as well is like Mm. even from just a completely different life experience of not obviously being in that role but now in that that sense of community that have been there kind of like through the similar situations even if they've dealt it with dealt with it differently it definitely helps that you've got that community to just kind of bounce off of each other just mm. knowing kind of what support that you need in that time mm. well it would have been a problem if uh, you know and I, I feel for uh, community police officers that are in rural areas that might just be working on their own perhaps with, without the support next to them. And maybe they, if they need help and support um, a, a job to go to, 
perhaps this individual might be 20 minutes away. You know, so in that 20 minutes, they've got to carry all that. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, the majority of police officers, they're, you know, we're trained, we're equipped. We are sort of, you know, we're, we're sort of prepared for it. But the reality is that nothing really does properly prepare you for the job until you dive in at the deep end. And it's just trying to dig deep. Um, and thankfully now, when I look back, um, the support that's available, it's not, a, it's not a negative issue when people put their hands up and say, look, I can't deal this anymore. Um, you, know, do, you know, Gino's, um, you know, a, a person that I know, I won't name him, but, you know, she knows that he, he left the job after about 26 years because he woke up one morning and just thought, you know what, I can't do this anymore. He, he actually felt um, scared and he was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and there's another colleague, very, very similar. And he just, but thankfully, he recognised it himself. So whether or not the training that we did get, you know, subconsciously, you're sort of told, you know, you understand your mind. I don't know, because I don't understand it well enough. Um, but yeah, people have walked away from it because the pressure has been far, far too much. Going off that in terms of you know support that is available um what kind of like can you can you tell us a little bit more i obviously know a bit just from mm. living with you but um you know is, is there anything in particular that that you think people should know about in terms of you know if they want to join the police force if they're in the police force or mm kind of you know what support is out there well first of all you get the, the support of your colleagues that that is the most important that really is you can't underestimate that uh, the support and help that they provide you you can't put a figure on that because you're dealing with that on a day in day day out basis um but you know away from your colleagues um straight away every police officer is is um, issued with contact numbers for 24 7 um sort of counseling service and you know mental health support uh, and again that's only a, that's only a recent thing um so even if at the end of a shift they just go home and think you know what I, i'm not sure I, I feel good about myself and you know, maybe my mental health is suffering and they're, and they're due to go back to work eight hours later so but there's a phone number there they can ring um so that's available all the time and that was never available in my early days but not only that, we have, um, which we, we pay into as a voluntary subscription. It's a very nominal amount every month. We have some facilities up at uh, Harrogate and in Scotland, and the half of their support that they provide is physiotherapy, um, physical help when people have either been injured uh, or, in my case, had various operations to uh, physical sort of orthopedic operations, so I went there to recover from there. So, but, um, so that was very beneficial. But on the mental health side, um, the police treatment centres at Harrogate and Scotland have now got a massive, massive uh, area of health and wellbeing, which they've um, brought into. Um, so I went when they first started it after I'd retired um, for a week in Scotland. And the whole approach there, which is excellent, is all about... Um, getting people together at their level, trying to understand what help they need, 
Um, dealing with the physical side as well, because it's interesting how the physical, your physical um, health and mental health are very much intertwined. So, you know, what was strange and unusual for us when we first turned up for the health and well-being, there was snow on the ground in Scotland. It was really cold. And the first thing they said was, right, OK, um, seven o'clock downstairs, uh, we go down for a walk. So everyone that was on the health and well-being and everyone was there with different uh, requirements, uh, different levels of support needed. They were all made to get up early, um, get outside. And as a group, we trudged outside in the dark for an hour and then we came back, had a shower and then went and had breakfast. And the idea behind that was to, to try and kickstart and support your mental health was to get yourself some fresh air. And at the time, that's the last thing you want to do. You, the last thing you want to do is get out of bed. But actually, you notice the, the benefit to that because not only were you going out being walking, you know, being physical, you were breathing air in, you were in fresh air, you were talking to people at the side of you. Sometimes you went out and never spoke to anyone. There was never any pressure. You know, it was never forced upon you. And they had a schedule throughout the day where they had a mixture of sort of physical ability, uh, physical tasks. Um, you then also have um, alternative therapies to relax and chill out. And then you'd have counselling groups, you'd have one-to-ones. And that was set as a programme. And they've just developed it now. So when I went probably four years ago, they've now increased in that provision by about 30 to 40% which is absolutely fantastic news. Uh, and any police officer that, um, that pays the subscription, it's something like less than a fiver a month that you pay in, but you have access to these absolutely incredible ex uh, facilities. And they even have a snooker table. And they do have a snooker table, yes. <laughs> I yes, I remember it well, G. <laughs> I used to go and visit my dad, and that was what I'd would do i would just play snooker <laughs> <laughs> but again it was just it was just having things to do while you were there that was you know try and take the pressure off try and take the responsibility away from you so as um, as you you were there for treatment but what's really encouraging is that the support that they give now on the physical side they give equal support on the mental health side as well and the well-being you know which is an incredible thing to do yeah really good that it's kind of come come forward like that it's it's equal there's no longer that kind of physical physical health getting the priority yeah um well the thing is g they're all linked together at the end of the day you know if you are burdened down with a mental illness you, you know, people don't want to leave the house. They don't want to go outside. They, they don't want to wake up. You don't want to do things. Um, but, you know, th there's evidence out there that, that shows that it's about overall health. And I think what they need to start doing is not trying to identify, you know, one in particular, whether it's mental or physical. Look at it as a whole. And I think that's where the police have, um, have made excellent strides. They've actually identified the link between the two. And actually the benefits of treating people holistically um, so that not only does your uh, mental health improve, but your physical health does. So they're both sort of bounce off each other. So it's, you know, it's, it's really encouraging to see. 
and it's uh, you know I'm really pleased to have seen the change over those 20 odd years at yeah. least they're going in the right direction yeah it's really encouraging to kind of hear mm. that that is going in that right direction and you know it is it's it's pretty similar in terms of the NHS as far as I'm aware um you know it, it, it is all emergency services that kind of support that's available is is it, it is good it is good mm. at the moment yeah well the um, thing is long term it's necessary though isn't it so if you you know the way I look at it is and uh, on the physical I can only sort of um compare it with the physical side so I had an operation I was going to be off work for potentially um three to four months to recover uh, after six weeks, I went to Harrogate, had intensive physiotherapy and uh, support uh, with the mental health support as well. And I was back at work after eight weeks. So, you know, when you look at that, it's, you know, it makes sense that as an organisation, look after your staff, provide that support, and then you get the benefit. Yeah, I think that's like a huge point as well of if you provide those things for people you, you do see the positives and it's just trying to make it everyone kind of realize that as well i think the key point is making sure people are open and willing to listen when someone and also identifying and recognizing um, because as a team in the police you know your colleagues very well you rely on them you know you you know your life is in their hands at times and you know who you can trust but also it's, it's knowing each other's mannerisms and the way that we react to things. And it's identifying, you know, when someone's struggling, it's just, have, it's just saying to them, look, just take a moment. You know, let's, let's just go away from this and just, just unwind, chill out and take your mind somewhere else. Um, but that's the key. And I think, um, you know, they've learned over the years that that is extremely beneficial because years ago that never happened. You were just expected to turn up, do your job, go home, uh, and then turn up a few hours later and do the same old thing again, day in, day out, week in, week out. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can only take so much on board. You know, you're, you're carrying everyone's issues and problems. And whether you like it or not, it's always in the back of your mind. It's always there to sort of, you know, at your least inopportune moment, you just think back. I look back now to lots of incidents many years ago when they're as clear as anything. But actually, I've been very fortunate because I've been able to deal with it over the years. It doesn't really, it's not a weight on my shoulders. It's actually something that's, you know, made me who I am today. Yeah, I think when when I was speaking with George as well, kind of around the topic of what we're going to speak about, the police and the aspect of like mental health is something I've never thought about I don't have anyone in my family or friends that are involved in the police who have never been exposed to it but being able to listen and just mm. recognize like of course all these points like it's just so important that I've never seen anyone speak about it I've never heard anyone speak mm. about it so it's just something that was really important to me to listen to because mm. of the points that were actually raised from it I think what's also positive as well, I think, where the government's concerned, they are putting a lot of support and uh, resources into the mental health support. And that's where the provision in the police treatment centres 
has come from. It's come from government-backed funding. Um, but, but equally, what they're recognising now is that that support uh, is not only just available to serving officers, it's actually available to retired officers as well. Um, and, the, and the reason I see that as a, a, a real key point is when I started the police, the average age of uh, a police officer dying after they'd retired from the job, it was, it was about seven years. So, you know, people were only lasting seven years because of what they were sort of taking on board and dealing with. Um, fortunately now, that's increased dramatically. So, which is really, really encouraging because when I when I first saw it, I thought myself, my goodness. Yeah, I'd you like know, to know I've got a few more years left with you. Uh, <laughs> no, I think what it, there are other factors involved as well because the police force 25, 30 years ago was very much a different uh, organisation to what it is now. So, you know, they did things differently and actually, there were, you know, there was a lot of other issues that impacted on people's health you know, not, not just certain things for the mental health. So, um, so yeah, so as a, as a sort of looking forward, they've made tremendous strides. Um, still got a long way to go. You will still always see some police officers that see it as a macho image and a, and a power game. But the reality is we're just normal human beings doing an extraordinary, and we're very fortunate to do the job that we did. Um, and it was ex extremely rewarding. So it's lovely now that I can see that the support available um, from the physical side that's always been there is now being introduced on the mental health side. So, uh, so long term, it's incredibly good for the police force and for police officers up and down the country. Yeah, going back on what you just said in terms of, you know, there being, there still being a lot of a lot of change that kind of needs to happen. What What is your opinion on what needs to change? Well, I, th I think they've made tremendous strides. The, the most important thing is to give people um, the ability to not see it as a stigma by saying they need help. And years ago, that was the issue. You, mm. you never did because it was a sign of weakness. Um, so now they are allowing people to acknowledge that, you know what, life's not good all the time, but sometimes you need a bit of help. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're encouraging and supporting uh, officers that sometimes just say, look, I need a moment and I need some help. Um, mm. So that, that is a massive step. You, know, you can't underestimate the, yeah. the impact of that on people. And then just, you know, the rolling out of the 24-7 support that's available, but which is still available to me now. And it's not just available to me. It's actually available to me and my family. Um, and again, which is incredible because they recognise that anything that impacts me from being in the police, from a mental health side, will have a knock-on effect on people that I live with and I'm close to. So, so that is an incredible, incredible step in the right direction. So, you know, the, the, the step they've made is phenomenal. Yeah. Where would you, where would you say they would go next? Where, where, what do you um, think the step to take? Um, difficult to say, to be honest, because I'm thinking what else could they provide to us? Um, one thing that they have introduced, not just for police officers now, but it's, um, when people were in the community and they were suffering with their mental health, 
you generally got a call that um, that said, oh, such and such is running around, is hitting everyone, he's got a knife, this, that, and the other. And actually, years ago, you'd go and deal with them. You'd, you'd pick them up and you'd go and lock them up because they were a danger to themselves and other people. What they did a number of years ago was actually decide that they would collaborate with the NHS and they would have a dedicated team, uh, which, which was two officers or one officer and a mental health nurse, and they would be on patrol together and they'd have a dedicated mental health support um, response. So all these... Yeah, and obviously it, they have kind of section 136 suites and all that, that it, kind of, that conjunction between the police and the NHS has definitely gotten a lot closer. It has, it has. So, you know, they're, they're listening and learning. Um, they just need to do more of it and just encourage people to be a bit more open. I think that's the key thing because, you know, people go into the police and they, they still see it as a macho game. But actually, they, you know, they've got, they've got to realise that it's not negative, it's not, um, it's not a weakness. So they've just got to encourage that. But that's down to good management as well. You know, there's good managers in every industry and there's poor managers. And uh, I've been very fortunate that the team I've always worked with, we've worked together extremely well, supported each other extremely well um, and actually recognised, you know, when people are struggling. So again, I think that's where the... Um, the main issue is if you can deal with it and nip it in the bud and get the support there from day one and not allow it to develop and, um, and grow, you can actually manage it a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. I think hearing those steps as well is definitely something that if they keep continuing that over the years, it's going to really go in the right direction even further. Hmm. And I don't think it, I don't think it'll take long, to be honest. You know, I think they really are recognising it in this country. And I think it's encouraging to see it happen. Uh, yeah. They've just got to keep at it. That's the key. Yeah, I think that's definitely like a point. You just try and remind of like keep going in the right direction and recognising the change that we are hmm. seeing, even no matter how small the steps are, it's, it's still something in, in, in a good way. Well, the thing is, from a wider issue, people are talking about mental health a lot more these days. And it's, um, it's about making sure, making people talk about mental health in the same way that they talk about football or other sports or other pastimes. That's the key. Just it needs to be mainstream. It just means it needs to be as normal as having a cup of tea with someone or a pint of beer and just chatting about anything. And I think that's that's where we are making progress generally. Yeah, and it's been like so nice to just like have this space as well, just being able to talk about it because that's just kind of a step we just want to see as well. Where it's just normal to just have these conversations and actually just listen to people and not be afraid to kind of speak yourself as well. Mm. Yeah, thank you very, very much for joining. Yes. Uh, thank you. No, you're welcome. No, thank, you. thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it.